Hey folks, this is Kevin. On this week's episode of Risk, you'll hear Allison Moon. See, when I get nervous, I tend to speak very quickly. Hello, my name is Allison Moon. I'm a sex educator. I'm here to teach you how to strap it on. That and more. But before that, this episode is coming out just two days before it happens, so you might just hear this in time to come to the November 17th Risk Live show at Caveat in New York City. Jen Kamara, Carly Ann Philbin, Dave Ross, and Stephen Campbell and me in an amazing night of true stories, our last New York live show of the year. It's at 9.30 p.m. Eastern. There's also a live stream if you're unable to be there in person. And tickets are at risk-show.com slash tour. We'll be right back. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable to You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Now here's the show. kids this is risk the show where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share i'm kevin allison this is room 34 behind me now covering herbie hancock and we're calling this week's episode sex ed and that reminded me i was recently on a podcast called you are good hosted by sarah marshall and alex steed Two wonderful people. You Are Good is a podcast where people discuss their deepest feelings and eureka moments that they might have had with movies that made a lasting impression on them. So for my episode, I chose the movie Blue Velvet, the 1986 movie by David Lynch, because it made such an impression on me. When I was 16, it opened up so much curiosity about sexuality for me, and I highly recommend you go check out that episode. It is hilarious and provocative. But the one thing that moved me most was that all three of us, 
Alex, Sarah, and me, we all talked about how our sexualities and our sexual histories have always been changing. You know, I'm still discovering new things, learning new things at 52. And I'm always encouraging people to remain open-minded and flexible and optimistic about possibilities with their sexual journeys. That's also why I'm so excited we have Allison Moon back on the show, uh, one of my very favorite sex educators and author of a book I highly recommend called Getting It, A Guide to Hot, Healthy Hookups and Shame-Free Sex. But first, we're going to hear from Patty F. Smith, Patty's second time on the show. You can find her at teacherpatty.com. Now, the audio here is not the best. Some of the recordings from the Magic Bag in Detroit last summer were lost, but we did all we could to mix and remaster it so you can hear the story all right. It was too fun not to run it. So here she is now, Patty F. Smith, with a story we call The Great Dick Quest of 1984. In 1984, it was really hard for a 12-year-old girl to see a dick. <laughs> the dick, okay, I see what you're doing right now. You're like, oh God, she was 12 in 1984. I'm getting out know, the little calculator, like 50, I'm 50 years old. I'll save you the math. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh my God. Uh, so the great dick quest of 1984 may not have happened if not for Shelly. Shelly was the older sister of my best friend, Janet. And I'm spending the night at Janet's house. Shelly's hanging out with her for some reason. And Shelly spoke of dick. And like, I knew penis, vagina goes, I knew that. But Shelly had some insight for me and Janet. And that was, she said, when boys got excited, their dicks got hard. And me and Janet are like, and the popcorn is like halfway to our mouth, and we're like, oh, hard. <laughs> Shelly nodded wisely. Indeed, they go, doing. And me and Janet are like, doing. <laughs> and then the next thing was, we gotta see that. Holy shit. Okay, step one on the dick train. We went to where you would go in 1984 to see a dick. There was no internet, there was none of that. We went to the medical encyclopedia. You all had one about this, that, you know, it was heavy and had the thing on the, so she comes over after school. My mom has like pulled the telephone cord, the avocado green, you know, cord down the hallway, has her cigarette, talking to her girlfriend's coast is clear. Janet and I pull out the medical encyclopedia and in the center, there was like the outline of a body and then there was like the plastic overlays of like the kidneys and the, the blood vessels and muscles and shit. And then finally, the reproductive system. Flip that page over. Oh, it's not a hard dick. There's no doinging. There's no 3D pop-up. It's just a dick. Strike one. 
So now it became like an obsession. We're writing notes to each other. And I'm, I'm a teacher. I actually had a student ask me if I ever paper texted. And I'm like, what the fuck is it? And I'm like, oh my God, she means write notes. Yes, I did. I wrote notes. Janet and I wrote notes. Like, how are we going to see the dick? What are we going to do? We're at lunch one day with our friend Katie. And we're eating the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches that our moms packed us and like the, the Dorito bags and the Fig Newtons. And we're just, oh my God, the dick. And Katie's like, well, you need a like a nudie magazine. And we're like, well, yeah, but where are we going to get that? And she's like, oh, my dad gets those. And we're like, what? And she's like, yeah, my brother's trying to find them, but I know where they are. Just come on over. So, <laughs> hell yeah. So... The fact that Katie's dad might not have had nudie magazines, like, with, with men in it, like, that didn't even enter our mind. We're like, we have to go. So her parents are at work. We go. We go to the parents' bedroom. Katie opens a drawer. Here they are. Plague boy. We're like, oh, my God. So we open it to, like, the centerfold, the Jake Isles song. We're like, yeah, the baby's a centerfold. Cool. But that's not a dick. That's a naked lady. So we look at Katie, and she's like, well, just go through. There's articles. Just flip through. We're, we're going to find it. We're going to find it. We're going to find it. And we're flipping through, and there's boobs, and there's bush. It was the 80s. Brazilian was not yet a thing. And we're just like, no dick. Strike two. So now we got to get creative. We were literally the first house on our block to get cable TV. I spent so many hours of my life in front of MTV. Um, and back then, my friends, cable, it was a box that you put on the console TV, 1970s era console TV, lots of wood, little brass handles at the bottom, a knob, and you plug in that box and channel 25, that was MTV. And if I wanted to change the channel, there was no remote control. There wasn't even a number pad on that box. If I wanted to get from channel 25 to channel 50, I pressed that plus button like a goddamn American, and I stood there in that shag carpet, and I plussed that fucking plus button. And sometimes I would go into the 100s. The 100s were the pay channels. And God bless my father. He's not only techie, he's very crafty. He uh, came home one day with this little black box, and it plugged into the cable box, which plugged into the TV, and that black box got us all the free cable channels, all the pay channels, pay ads and HBO and Showtime and shit. There's no way it could possibly have been legal. There's no way in hell. And I hope to God the statute of limitations has expired or else a very nice 80-year-old man in Florida is going to be hauled off to jail on one tonight. So, but this box plugged in and it got the movie channel and the Showtime and the Cinemax, but it didn't get channel 118, which was, of course, the Playboy channel. And I'm sure my father was like, God damn it, you know, but nevertheless, so here's what happened. So back in the day, the channels you didn't get were like higgly piggly, squiggly wiggly, uh, snow, horizontal hold, kind of greenish. You couldn't see shit because you weren't paying for it. But Janet told me, Janet said to me, I've heard that sometimes it comes in clear, but only after midnight which made sense, because only after that magical, mystical hour could such magical things happen. So cool, she comes over to spend the night. We eat pizza with my parents, I imagine, I don't really remember. Uh, we watch, you know, the Lawrence Welk, the Love Boat, the Fantasy Island, Mom and Dad go to bed, Channel 25 MTV until midnight. And Janet goes up there and starts pressing the plus button. 118. 
And, you know, I, I truly believe this. I think at that moment, God and Moses and, like, Aaron and Miriam and, like, Ezekiel, Isaiah, all those fuckers, all of them are on a cloud. And God's like, look here. Look at that. Look, look what those girls are doing. Look at that. And then God goes, you know, you know what? I'm going to do them a solid. And the reason I say that is because at that instant, that TV screen, unpiggly wiggly, unswiggly wiggly, on horizontal hold, on snow, and boom, two naked people kissing in front of us. Janet and I grab onto each other. The dick is at hand, and we're like, but see, then something happened that neither of us had ever imagined in our 12-year-old brains. He starts kissing her lower and lower. And friends, I was 12 years old. The, the clitoris discovery is still a year and a half away from me. All I knew about down there was pee, was urine. And all of a sudden, he's kissing her down there. And Janet and I look at each other, and I'm like, Janet, he's drinking her pee. <laughs> and we start laughing and laughing, and we're rolling around the floor. And then all of a sudden, splish, I feel it. I have peed, and it's through my little panties with the days of the week, and like through the sleeping bag on the floor. And then all of a sudden you hear the unmistakable sound of parental footsteps coming down the stairs, or like, shit. So Janet runs up there like, minus, 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 25 MTV, and we just had to convince my parents MTV is really funny after midnight. Strike three. It may have ended. The train might have stopped. But for Alan Hunter, VJ of MTV, if you watched MTV back in those days, you knew Alan Hunter. You also probably knew the popular videos. See, back in 1984, you had three choices. It wasn't like today with the Sirius and the, the Spotify and the YouTube. No, no, no. You had three choices. You made your choice and it followed you for life. You could be a wannabe, a Madonna fan, wear the bracelets, the lace, cool. You could be a whammy, fans of the George Michael and Andrew Ridgely. But my friends and I, to a one, we were Durannies. Fans of Duran Duran, the band that ruled the airwaves, mid-80s pop group. There were five members of Duran Duran, and we each had our own. Our friend Mia, very quiet, very pensive, very thoughtful. Like Roger, the quiet drummer, never really talked. And then badass Janet, she liked badass Andy, like thrash, guitar guy. And then Katie, who was like stylish and avant-garde, like Nick Rhodes, the keyboardist. And me, pensive, intelligent. I liked John Taylor, the bassist. We're going to get married one day. Don't tell me. Sorry, my husband, he's cool with it. So yeah, so and like Simon, I don't remember who liked Simon LeBon, but he kind of belonged to all of us. So it was like cool. And they, oh my God, their videos, like, were just showing all the time. Well, anyway, they show girls on film video, and then Alan Hunter, the VJ, winks, and he goes, well, that's the one we can show you here on MTV, because the other one is, like, naughty. And I'm like, oh my God, I know what that means. Dicks. Five Duran Duran. Five dicks. Doing, 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 doing. Dicks, doinging, doinging, dicks, doings, hard, doing, 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 doing. I gotta get that video. So my mom comes home from work. I'm spoiled as shit. I'm his only child. I'm like, mom, we gotta go to the library because they rent videos. She's like, fine, whatever. Go to the library. I go in there. I look on the shelf of the Troy Public Library. No Duran Duran video. But I'm very plucky. 
and I go to the librarian and I'm like, I'm a huge Duran fan and I hear those on video, but I'm a lady and God bless librarians. God bless librarians. She went to like the 1984 computer, card catalog, whatever, went through, called the other branches. Oh, the other branch has the video. Yes. Right out to the car. Mom, we got to go to that branch. Okay. Go to the branch. I go in, blah, 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 blah. there it is. It's in the video. The dicks, the joining dicks are in my hand, sort of, more or less. <laughs> so I go and I plump down my library card with a satisfying thud. And the woman library, she smiles. Oh, honey, okay. Oh, honey, you can't rent this. And she points to a sticker. And I don't remember what the sticker says. It was some Tipper Gore PMRC bullshit. I don't need to remember what it says. It means that I cannot rent it without a parent. No problem. Right out to the car. Mom, put out the cigarette. Got to come in. She puts out the Virginia Slim. She comes in. She digs through her Gucci bag, past the cigarette case, blah, blah, finds her library card, signs it, all signs it. <gasps> the dicks are mine. But I am nothing if not a team player. So I wait until Katie and Mia and Janet can come over. And we watch Lawrence Welk and the Fantasy Island love boat. Parents go to bed, plunk in the video. And it's not like it is today. This was a video cassette recorder with pop-up buttons and a VHS tape. You could not stream ahead. You could not skip chapters. You had to watch every motherfucking one of those videos. Because if you press fast forward, you might miss one. You got to go back. And so we sit through like the last chance on a stairway and all these crazy ass songs. And then finally, we hear the of the cameras. Oh my God, it's the girls on film video. Five Duran Durantics, five dicks, doing diddy doing. Oh, oh, it's girls on film. Oh, there's a naked lady with an ice cube on her and a blow dry. Oh my God, and there's two ladies sliding on a pole and they're kissing and, and there's no dick. And now my girlfriends are looking at me like it's my fault. Like I said to them, no, 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 no. Put those Duran dicks away, guys. Not on my set. No dicks on this set. And they're looking at me and there's no dicks. Strike four. And that was the end of the 1984 dick train. Uh, Mia went to a different school. Katie moved away. And, and it was like many years before I actually like had a dick like in my hand. And I realized that all those years ago, Janet's sister Shelly had been wrong. They don't actually go doing. Thank you. If you like good old-fashioned true crime mysteries, if you like stories where you feel like you're a detective finding clues, 
June's Journey is the name of this new game that you can play on your iPhone or your Android. You are uncovering the mystery of June's sister's murder. It's this well-to-do family in the 1920s living in a great Gatsby-like mansion. Each scene uncovers new aspects of the story. Some parts are in New York. Some parts are in Paris. There's all kinds of objects you're finding and trying to assess whether they're meaningful or not. You collect information, filling out your own photo album, and you're keeping track of all the characters. There's romance. There's scandalous family secrets. It feels like a really fun play or movie. And I've only made it through like five scenes, but I am told you could crack the case. All you need is an internet connection and downloading on iOS or Android. So discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We're back. Hey, Kevin. Uh, this is Don here in Toronto. Please continue doing the good work you do. Thank you for giving me a voice and the ability to tell my story. I was able to heal from there in many ways so thank you and keep telling those stories those wonderful terrific stories (laughs) no matter how crazy and messy life is the one thing i know now it's still beautiful This is Risk. This is Room 34 behind me again. And that was Don Collymore we just heard. Don is a Risk fan who sent in that little audio clip. I think he's out on the streets of Toronto. Earlier this year for our 600th episode, I asked you all, Risk fans, to send in little audio recordings 
about what you love about the podcast, favorite memories, you know, the role it's played in your lives. And just like Don did there, I encourage you guys to keep sending them. They mean so much to us, and we love to share them with you like we did just now. I've responded to some of them in check-ins that we put up on Patreon. But Don also shared a story over on Patreon called Black Lives, They Matter. We put that one up in September of 2020. Fascinating story, so check that out if you haven't heard it. And probably the easiest way to send these audio clips is just to me at kevin at com. Before dawn, we heard that amazing redo of Duran Duran's Hungry Like the Wolf called And it was created by Hope Brush. Now, let's get back to sex education. Our next story was recorded not at a Risk Live show, but at the Mystery Box show in Portland, Oregon, brilliantly produced by Reba Sparrow and Eric Scheuer. There's plenty more stories to be found on the Mystery Box show podcast or the Mystery Box show YouTube channel. The storyteller we're about to hear is a friend of mine and someone I look up to so much, author and sex educator Allison Moon. But we thought it might be nice to get all hands on deck and bring Allison into the episode with a melodious lead-in. So here, without further ado, is a horde of drunken sailors. My captain once told me of the women at sea, half fish and half maiden, quite the sight to see. They're fair and ferocious and filled him with fright, and one gave him his sea legs on one moonlit night. I wonder the sea's looking for one such maid, for laying with her is how sailors are made. She looked in my eyes as I pled and I begged, Oh lady of the depths, I just want to get pegged. I've been railed by a fair mermaid lass, her hand in my hair and her strap in my breast. I've been a sex educator for 15 years now. And in that time, I've gotten pretty comfortable getting on stage in front of a paying audience and riffing about anal or fisting or anal fisting (laughs) without too much anxiety. But of course, I wasn't always like that. In fact, in the early days, I was pretty easy to ruffle. Like, for instance, my fourth workshop ever. I was on a self-funded book tour celebrating the release of my very first novel. And I don't know if you know this, but self-published novels about lesbian werewolves Thank you. (laughs) Not the big money makers that I was led to believe. I know, no one is more disappointed about it than I. But I quickly discovered that if I taught a sex education workshop at a sex toy store in the city that I was in, I would usually make just enough money to make it to the next city. Which is how I found myself in Vancouver, in a sex toy store, teaching a workshop about strap-ons. Now, originally I had pitched her Girl Sex 101, which at the time was my signature workshop, but the owner of the store said that her clientele preferred more specific 
activity-based workshops. And so I just kind of panicked and grabbed strap-on sex. And even though I had no outline and had never taught the workshop before. But at that point, I had spent a decent amount of time with a dildo strapped over my mound. So I figured I'd have something to share with the audience. But when the day of the workshop came, I just got completely blindsided by imposter syndrome. I was worried that that everyone would think that I was just like a marketing pitch for expensive harnesses and dildos, or that I would mismanage my time and spend all my time talking about vaginas and have no time left over for anuses, because as we all know, you can go from vagina to anus. (laughs) But you cannot go from anus to vagina. As people started wandering into the store, deciding which hard metal folding chair to choose, I felt the back of my neck get hot. I started rearranging my props. I asked for a whiteboard and then got rid of the whiteboard and then asked for the whiteboard again. I was thinking, should I sit or should I stand? Should I just launch in or should I hold for a couple minutes for latecomers? Finally, just in a burst of anxiety, I just start, hello, my name is Alison Moon, I'm a sex educator. I'm here to teach you how to strap it on. And the audience was a little taken aback. See, when I get nervous, I tend to speak very quickly. So, I took a deep breath. And then I invited everyone in the room to share why they were there, which is a great technique as an educator. Get yourself out of your head and into the room with the people listening to their actual needs. And one by one they shared, and I started to calm down. Because... I recognized these people. These were the people who came to my workshops. There was the lesbian couple celebrating their three-week anniversary. (laughs) You know who you are. There was the pro-dominatrix who was there to expand her menu of service options. There was the group of giggly, giddy queers who were probably also a little drunk. There was a middle-aged heterosexual couple who had met on OkCupid after their individual terrible divorces who were there to learn to reclaim their sexual renaissance together. Yeah, yeah. Now, teaching in front of men, I realized in that moment, was actually new, as was teaching without a demo model. See, up until that point, I had taught all of my workshops at private parties, sex parties, or Burning Man, where I had the privilege of having a human being next to me upon whom I could demonstrate some of the techniques. As a kinesthetic learner myself, this is my preferred way of teaching because it's always entertaining and educational even when words fail. And I'm only now realizing this as I am standing in front of a mixed gender audience, fully clothed, with no body next to me to help. And I start to feel a little nervous again. Finally, everyone is done sharing except for one man who has planted himself front row center, like less than four feet away from me. He is old, very old, late 80s, early 90s maybe. And everyone turns to look at him when it's his turn to share and he doesn't move a muscle. He just stares straight at me with this gentle but slightly disconcerting smile on his face. 
Okay, let's get started. Uh, harnesses. Uh, so there's the one strap, also known as the thong style. There's the two strap, AKA the jock strap style. And then there's the underwear style. Pros and cons of each style, here we go. And I start getting into my groove. People are leaning forward, they're laughing at my jokes, people are taking notes, good job lesbians. <laughs> the straight couple I can already tell is going to spend a lot of money on sex toys tonight. <laughs> and I'm good, I'm, I'm talking lube, I'm talking dildos, I'm talking harnesses, everything's going well. And then the guy, the guy, falls asleep. I mean, okay, he's old, but like, who the fuck is this guy? Did he just wander in off the street? All right, uh, okay, so, uh, sorry, yeah, where was I? Uh, blah, 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 blah. Materials, dildo materials. So, uh, silicone is considered the gold standard of dildo materials. It is non-porous, and you can throw it in the dishwasher or even boil it to clean. And now he's snoring. And I am having a hard time with this. Okay, so, um, yeah, so uh, there are other uh, materials also like uh, hard plastic or uh, Pyrex or even wood. Nothing. He is just sawing logs through my entire workshop. Every once in a while stirring to consciousness and then drifting off again. I am doing my best to get this ship righted, but the audience can tell I am agitated. Nothing is working. I just bear down and muscle through. I get a couple laughs. I share some insights. I answer questions. And at 90 minutes, thank you and good night. After the workshop, everyone is milling around the store. I'm signing books. I'm answering private questions. I'm helping people choose toys. I was totally right about that straight couple. Holy shit, they bought some cool stuff. <laughs> and then one by one, they leave. The owner gives me my check and then takes the rack of folding chairs out back to stow away. And I'm left alone in the store, feeling like a failure. And I am trying to decompress, and I'm putting away all my gear, and that's when I see him. The man, the old man, the completely out of place man. He is standing in the corner, staring at me with that same disconcerting grin. And now I notice that he is holding a bag, a brown paper lunch bag just curled in two fists and in front of his chest like a child. Now at this point, I already kind of hate this guy. He practically ruined my entire workshop, but now I'm kind of afraid of him. What's in the bag? And why did he wait for me to be completely alone in the store? He sees me look at him, and he takes that as an invitation to shuffle towards me. And then I, I get a better look at him. I see that he is smaller than I thought. He is skinny and stooped, wearing this gray peacoat just hanging off his small frame. And I uh, introduce myself, force a smile, and he introduces himself as Peter from London. And he very much enjoyed my workshop. 
And in my mind, I scoff, how could you? You weren't even conscious for any of it. <laughs> but I force a smile and thank him, and he says, he asks me if I wouldn't mind terribly if he showed me something. <sighs> okay, sure. And that's when he opens the bag and holds it out in front of me. And I peer inside, and nestled at the bottom like a, a broody squirrel is a strap-on. But it's not like any strap-on I've ever seen before, certainly not like anything hanging on the walls of this sex toy store. And I look at him, and he smiles, and he asks if I'd like to examine it closer, and I nod. He reaches inside and hands it to me with as much care and intensity as if he were handing me a Fabergé egg. <laughs> I take it, and I hold it up to the light, examining it. The dildo is hard rubber, hollow, pink, Modeled after a realistic penis with a tendon and veins and a clear corona, the rubber is shiny, worn smooth. The harness is less recognizable. It's these thin elastic straps, like an ancient menstrual belt or like a bra from generations ago. There is no stretch left in the straps and they are worn gray with age. I'm holding it in start to stumble a question, how did you, where did you, but I don't know what to ask. Peter graciously lets me off the hook by telling me his story. He was stationed in Lyon during the war, alone and terrified in a foreign Nazi-occupied city. He didn't get along well with his fellow soldiers, but every once in a while, when he had a little money in his pocket and an evening to himself, he would walk clear across the city to a brothel to visit Jacqueline. And this, he said, was the strap-on that she used with him every time. This, I said, holding it higher to make sure I understood, and he nodded and continued. He was in love with Jacqueline, truly. She saw him, she understood him, she showed him pleasure like he'd never known before, like he never even knew was possible. But after the war, he'd never see her again. He returned to London, he married, he had children, and eventually emigrated to Canada. Five years prior to that night that I met him, his wife had died. I started another question, did you, and he cut me off. He never told his wife about it. She didn't know he liked it, she didn't know he had it. He never mentioned or even hinted at wanting her to wear one with him. And answering my next unspoken question, he said, I wonder if I should have told her. I don't think she would have understood. But now? Now I suppose I'll never know. That moment hung heavy in the air between us. This man that I wanted to kick out 20 minutes ago. 
now this precious, vulnerable human being sharing something with me, a stranger. He never even showed his wife. I handed him back this precious object and he placed it back in the bag and now overcome with a certain kind of anxiety of his own, he started curling it, the paper in his fists. His eyes left mine and started searching the carpeting in front of him. The next thing he said to me was in the general direction of the floor. I saw this workshop and I thought, if anyone would understand me, if anyone could see me the way that Jacqueline saw me, it would be you. And in that moment, I did. He transformed from a 90-year-old in the middle of a sex toy store in the middle of the night to a soldier, frightened, terrified, really, horny, different, I leaned down to catch his eye, and I noticed that they were red and misty, and I started welling up myself, and I said, Peter, I am so glad you showed this to me, and I am so glad you came tonight. And he just said, <clears throat> one syllable, transforming him from an 18-year-old back into a 90-year-old. And because he was being so vulnerable with me, I decided to share some vulnerability back. And I asked, so, how was I? <laughs> and he looked back at me now, and he said, you know your stuff. <laughs> and then he reached out his hand to pat me on the shoulder in that singularly grandfatherly way. <laughs> and said, but you have plenty more to learn. <laughs> and then, no more words, he just put this wool plaid trilby on his head, nodded once, and left. And I watched him walk into the rainy night, the red and blue neon of the store reflecting against his pale skin, and I realized just how much I had yet to learn. Fifteen years later, I still have more to learn. Every time I teach a workshop, every single time I learn more about people's fears, their anxieties, their joys, their turn-ons. I've learned never to assume what someone has already lived through before they come to my workshop or what they are there to learn then. I have learned that if I try to pretend I know what somebody's into, I'm probably gonna be fucking wrong. <laughs> But perhaps more importantly, whenever I'm with a new partner, I remember that I'm there to learn. To play, sure. To indulge, of course. But to listen and to appreciate. Sometimes, when I put on my strap-on and I take that long, sexy walk from my dresser to my bed where my partner will be waiting with a bottle of lube and a smile, I think about Peter and how 
sad I am that he never got to enjoy with his spouse what I do with mine. But how happy I am that he gave himself permission in small ways when he felt safe enough to do so in a world that wanted him to be ashamed and humiliated and alone. And because of that, he lived a richer life than he would have otherwise. And that's something that I always hold on to, Peter's bravery. He reminds me to be brave, to hit on those people that terrify me in their hotness. (laughs) And to give myself over to learning more about my body and my heart and my mind and the bodies and hearts of minds of my partners. I never want to be calcified or cynical. And I always want to commit to listening and curiosity. Because above all, for the rest of my life, I know that I have plenty more to learn. Thank you. They just don't care They say all the boys are monsters All the girls are whores So when you lose the one you love There's always plenty more is almost all of this week's episode folks this is squirrel nut zippers behind me now and we just heard from allison moon allison's books girl sex 101 and getting it are treasure troves of helpful guidance on hot healthy hookups and shame-free sex and you can find out more at girlsex101.com Another book that would make for a lovely Yuletide gift is The Risk Book. So many great people in it. Mark Marin, T.S. Madison, Dan Savage, Aisha Tyler, Paul F. Tompkins, Lily Taylor, and folks who don't listen to podcasts love the book, too. So look for it wherever books are sold. It's especially popular over there at Amazon with almost 436 five-star reviews. We'll be right back. We're back. Folks, if you enjoyed our scary stories episode a couple weeks ago, don't forget we want your scary story pitches all year round. And 
winter holiday stories, too. So if you or anyone you know has a great story that we might like to feature on the show next Halloween or at the end of this December, go to risk-show.com slash submissions and pitch us your stories there. And if you ever have questions about that, just email me at kevin at risk-show.com. Folks, today's the day. Take a risk. That's our silly grandpa. If there was like a magic button that was tucked about two to three inches inside of your rectum that when you hit it, released extra fluids, made your ejaculate extra powerful, and shot it extra far, would that interest you? How would you like to make a dollar, Bailey? You just have to do one thing for me. I'm not going to, Grandpa. Why not? Because I'll get in trouble. Leave me alone, Grandpa. Grandpa. 